Hey everybody, welcome to the Retro Futurist Podcast. My name is Hoptimist, I will be your host today. I want to thank the Ruminations Radio Network for hosting this podcast today. We are bringing you guys a very special episode. We are going to be talking about the 1995 movie Demolition Man with Sylvester Stallone and Wesley Snipes. Eerily predicted a lot of things in our future, and I've got some very awesome folks to talk to today on the show. We've got Charlie, we've got Tony, and we've got Brando. How are you guys doing? Living the dream, uh, baby. I'm very awesome. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with your description. I'm very awesome. <laughs> Be well. Be well. Be, Be well. well. What? So, oh. Brando, what is your boggle? <laughs> Pardon me, sir. What is your right now? The fact that I have to do some laundry (laughs) (laughs) that is today's boggle. That is today's boggle. So, um, so yeah, Demolition Man came out in 1995, pretty or uh, 93. My bad for some reason, I thought it was 95. 93. Um, the interesting thing about this movie that I thought doing some research is this particular director, this is the only movie he ever did. He did this movie, really? and then he went and he started working in fine art like stuff. He doesn't do movies oh, wow. anymore. I yeah, don't know if making this up. movie like wore him out. <laughs> like, <laughs> wow. I've heard some crazy stories. Dennis Leary talks about that this was this was at the height of like Hollywood craziness. I think. Well, I don't know if it ever ends, but. He said that Stallone had like a golf pro on set and they were always like at the driving, they had a driving range built on the set and Stallone was always golfing and he had the the golf coach there and he'd be like, hey Dennis, you want to hit some balls? And I was like, wow, <laughs> I was like, this is just some crazy fun, trivia. Fun fact, <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson has something like that built into his contract for whatever movie he works on. Is it golf stuff? Yeah, yeah golf, he, he has golf stuff. Wow. That's that's crazy, man. I don't know. It's, that is crazy. I want that built into my contract. Yeah, full which is, right? <laughs> which is some crazy. Sort of, uh, something like that. Which is crazy when you think about nowadays, it seems like the schedules are so condensed. You're not on movie sets anymore for like 30, 60, 90 days. You know, yeah, the, I feel like it's different. In. Right. Yeah. I think it's a lot different now. They've really changed. And especially right now right now the way they're shooting stuff they're using really small crews they're using as minimal location as they can get and yeah and when um, I, I feel like hard tom cruise freaks out and screams at them right but i also feel like the stuff that favreau and company developed with the mandalorian like going forward is going to be how they do a lot of projects because not only is it right now a safer thing but also a cost efficient thing so i really think that's yeah change the way they record production so going into this production 1993 demolition man we have a story of a uh psychopathic career criminal simon phoenix played by the amazing wesley snipes at the height of his martial arts movie uh, legacy. <laughs> yeah, he, um, has, he has like four good. He has four very, very clear good moves that he just is an ace at repeating, no matter what movie they put him in. <laughs> you know, it's it's seriously and kudos to him. He do, he does them well, but that front kick is the same front kick <laughs> you've seen in every Blade slash Tequila, whatever <laughs> every movie he's an action star in. I've seen that front kick and that side kick. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you got a, a, a move that looks really good when you do it, you know. Um, it was good. No, it looks great. It's right. great. He's being tracked. Uh, this takes place. The beginning of the movie is 1996. He's being chased by LAPD Sergeant John Spartan, whose nickname great name. is. Great name. The Demolition Man. Yeah. And there's, we'll get into that in a little bit about the influence on this. Um he goes to capture Phoenix, uh, big gun firefight goes, and a bunch of hostages are quote-unquote killed, um, unbeknownst to Spartan, and he's arrested along with Simon Phoenix and put into cryo-freeze for 70 year for a 70-year cryo-freeze, but he's, waking up, he's woken up early in 2032, and now... The world has totally changed, and it's become L.A. has now become San Angeles, which is San Francisco, L.A., San Jose. Everything kind of merged into one big megalopolis. Not as cool as Judge Dredd, 
but uh, <laughs> probably less murder. Very, very, very sanitary, um, and it's kind of run by this cult uh, leader, Dr. Raymond Cocteau, um, who's created this quote-unquote utopia. Um, and then Simon Phoenix is at a parole hearing in from cryo and he gets out and murders some people and the police force that is now there doesn't know how to handle any kind of crime. They've never dealt with any of it. And we're introduced to Sandra Bullock's character, Lieutenant Huxley. It's another, uh, hint on where there's some of their source material came from. And, um, yeah. <laughs> she is obsessed with the 20th century and she says we need to get the guy that captured him first and so her idea is to thaw out John Spartan so they can capture uh, Simon Phoenix. Well, it gets to that point because the police tried asking Simon nicely, Phoenix, right? And more sternly. <laughs> and more sternly and then he just kicks the shit out of him. So, obviously current tactics aren't going to work. Right, the, the the homogenized police force is, they don't stand a chance Good against word. a career criminal uh, that Simon Phoenix was. In fact, he literally whips all those guys' butts with a single <laughs> front kick and a punch. <laughs> yeah, and then one guy didn't even hit him at all. He just did a pirouette around him. And right. The right through, yeah, I mean, that was incredible. Um, they thaw John Spartan out to go after him, and John Spartan says, you know, he's going to go after a gun, and the other cop's like, the other cop has some crazy plan that he gets from the computer that Simon Phoenix is going to start a drug uh, factory, and uh, sure enough, uh, Simon Phoenix sets off the alarms because he's at the Hall of Violence at the museum, which is in the, I noticed this watching the movie, the Hall of Violence font is eerily like the font that's in Doom 2 for ultraviolet, like for your difficulty levels or Quake. It must oh, be a wow. font that, mm. it must be, the font must be called Violence, I think. <laughs> I'd have to look it up, and I think it was in Diablo 2 also. It's been in a lot of video games. Oh, it's um, oh, it was definitely in Diablo 2, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know the font I was talking about. I got And this is where we discover another character uh edgar friendly who is like the underground force that's trying to show everybody there's another way to live because even though there's this perfect society you're kind of under the thumb of this cult leader dr raymond cocteau and he wants to be free he wants to run around naked and covered Smoking in jello covered in grape jello yeah be careful. <laughs> he's got his own little speech there and we find out that Simon Phoenix is actually here to kill Edgar Friendly. Um, that's the whole reason he was released. He was uh, Cocteau actually released is Simon Phoenix. Um, and scheduled up, it right along yeah, with the yeah, parole Spartan, hearing. Like Spartan that, teams yeah. up with uh, Friendly, and um, you know they. They end up taking out, uh, not uh, not after which Simon Phoenix gets a gang together. Simon Phoenix's gang there then kills Cocteau. And then that's when uh, Friendly and John Spartan team up, you know, to uh, take out Simon Phoenix. And then we're back to a society that has now seen violence. And the movie kind of ends with maybe some hope that they'll get some semblance of a nor more of a middle ground of life not a utopia not a not a free-for-all anarchy um you know there's a there's a bunch of great one-liners in there too um so anyway don't touch that the, dial <laughs> what i what i uh what i find interesting is you know the the idea that even in a utopia you're gonna have resistance to that and it's probably true i think any any time in civilization that we've had close to um a utopia or something like alexander the great or um genghis khan where they've done so much and united so many people and conquered so much land at some point there's a tipping point where one little thread can come undone and and break that whole thing um, well, and like those civilizations, I mean, it is kind of a, an homage to that historic point, right? Because it's always about hiding 
the the worst parts of that away from view you know and, and they talk about that even in with like a you know you t- you mentioned alexander the great but like the story of of the buddha as a prince not knowing of suffering not knowing of these things until he was outside the gates of the palace and when discovered it it sort of you know the pandora's box was open in this case that seems like the way that they were using they were shoveling those hungry people eating rat burgers down underground and making sure everybody never saw them right yeah exactly and and well and basically if you didn't want to live in their utopia yeah they would cast you out and you would know where to go um but people will find a way like people will always find a way to survive that's that's the human race's biggest genetic trait is adaptability uh the, the current homo sapien uh we we evolved past the generation before us for adaptation reasons like we developed sweat glands so we could run longer and go further you know we weren't we aren't as strong as as homo superior but we were smarter and could uh, travel longer distances and that's what the human race does is we adapt Uh, it'll be interesting to see what really happens you know as we drain this planet earth of all of its resources day by day <laughs> going forward <laughs> we'll, we'll revisit this in 10 years and see where we're at after a, a big earthquake and right if, i guess uh, what you got if there are legit franchise wars and taco bell wins i'm just gonna kill myself <laughs> I, I can't kill yeah myself. so yeah that's, that's a that's another great part of the movie that's let's talk about that so in the in the movie he, you know he after he gets out of prison he wants some food and they're talking about going to Taco Bell and he's like Taco Bell and she explains they won the great franchise wars every restaurant is Taco Bell whether it's a fast food or a fancy restaurant from what I understand they approached some of the other franchises then they didn't want to have anything to do with it like McDonald's and Burger King and whatnot um <laughs> Taco Bell's so, like, what have we got to lose right <laughs> I mean yeah really uh, interesting side note I guess in the UK Taco Bell was not a thing at all so there's actually a, a different version of this movie where the lines are dubbed and they're talking about Pizza Hut even though there's Taco Bell shit all over the screen <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, i i would like to find it's the uk version i'm almost tempted to buy a uk blu-ray of this to see if it has those lines in it. Or, if, or if it's been changed by now to just be accepted as taco but that may you might have to go back and look for a uk vhs or something i really hope the dubbing is just awful i really oh, hope can, the dubbing I'll, is if super i can find awful. the clip i'll i'll send it to you it's pretty funny the thing that always struck me is about this is that now Taco Bell is a uh, high level cuisine, fancy restaurant. But if it's every restaurant, if it's every restaurant, then why would the, you know, main man in charge say it the way he did? Because he does say it with a flair of you should be impressed. He goes, I want you to join me at dinner at Taco Bell. Like he makes it. And it's like, if everything's Taco Bell, how do you discern whether you're going to the low end or the high end? It's, it's the inflection. It's Yeah, it's all inflection. I like the uses of Taco Bell they're going to. What's cheap, normal Taco Bell? Taco Bell. I want you to join me at Taco Bell. Right? Let's yeah, so... Well, let's do let's do a little let's do a little round robin like what was your um like try let's go with you like what was your initial time seeing this or your initial memories of this film or what stood out to you the most the first time you saw this if you can remember that and, uh, and then we'll move on to uh tony and brando you know i i i think this movie hit right as i was around say 18 years old 17 years old and it was, I mean, it was almost immediately a cult classic, and you just loved the characters, and nobody, I don't remember caring about it being particularly believable, and I just, you, we had no idea at the time. I, that's what I remember is thinking, oh, right, electric cars and everything's Taco Bell, haha, and, you know, I really didn't put any stock into it, uh, I would say the first time, but I, I remember just Wesley Snipes being absolutely huge 
and Dennis Leary with his asshole video and his stand up and he was like jumping up and everything. So this was a hot commodity and I, I saw it in the theater more than once back when you had to see it in the theater for months. You, you'd have three months and it would still be there because people were still going to see it for a good action movie. And it just was great, memorable. I mean, it seems to stick as a staple of the times for, you know, it really speaks to how we were thinking in the 90s, I think. All right. What about you, Tony? Yeah, I don't remember this movie very well just because um, R-rated movies were not really a big thing in our household, unfortunately. And um, But I think I did remember watching it you know, later on on VHS um, after it had been out for some time. And rewatching it now was very interesting. I just found myself chuckling in a good way just throughout the entire film. I just thought it was... It was actually one of those really cool, yeah, 90s action films that I really, really liked back then. And just the characters, they really cracked me up. The the dialogue, man, a lot of the snappy dialogue. I, I love the corny one-liners. Um, and then, yeah, just eerily how some of the elements in it pertained so appropriate to today. <laughs> like that one line... I think it was Irwin when he said, we're police officers. <laughs> we're not trained to handle this kind of violence. Right. And it yeah. was that, wow. that line hit so differently now, obviously. Yeah. It's like, wow. Wow. <laughs> just like tell you the thing Rob Snyder said that made me laugh is, is just this passable line that you wouldn't think of is when he goes, he likes your idea, chief. Like, he just... <laughs> I, for some reason, I lost it when he said that. <laughs> yeah, he, for for his little screen times he had, he was like very memorable. And then that that line he has, you know, if you want to go to an automated prompt, please press one. Oh yeah, when he answers the phone, yeah, I noticed that on the rewatch. I was like, that's hysterical. It's great, like, and it's crazy too because reading about how many different writers touched this film and how many people were actually oh, interesting yeah there was like, like multiple writers and at one point i think when um silver came on he essentially paid a bunch of money to the writers just to make them go away and then he reworked the writer the all the the scripts with another writer and yeah it's 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 pretty incredible just so many lines that just made me chuckle and i'm such a huge fan of wesley snipes i just i really think he's an underrated actor He's, he's just and it seemed like he was just having so much fun with his character and it's a, it's a lot different you could see too probably how some of the elements of villains later on could have been influenced by his performance oh i've got a lot uh, pertaining to that if you come back to that later i have some thoughts and questions for you guys about that exact thing yeah well i know one person that was hugely influenced by him just in his hair was dennis rodman yeah did his hair just like that after the movie <laughs> now i read a story that wesley snipes hated that hair so as soon as the movie was done he got rid of it asap he fucking hated it <laughs> i thought that was hilarious all right brando so i uh i was 10 or 11 when this movie came out thankfully r-rated movies were a thing in my household growing up <laughs> I've met your dad. I believe that. No, I mean, my parents were divorced at that point. So it just, yeah, that was all on mom. Um, I, have a, I have this image of your dad and you watching Deer Hunter at an inappropriately young age. Oh, my gosh. Uh, close. It was Pulp Fiction. I was very confused by the pawn shop scene. My first anyway, um, so, no, and it's like we've all said, it's, you know, one of those unassailably perfect '90s action movies. It's got two huge. It's got two big name actors. Snipes just totally steals every scene he's in. Yeah. Even he really does. you know, even when you look at the scene where he and his goons were wearing like tires as body <laughs> armor. <laughs> Interestingly, that's the same uh, costume designer from Dune. I think. There was oh, yeah. there was something that um, yeah it was like oh <laughs> <laughs> makes so much sense 
a lot of things just stuck with me about this movie through the years. It just never kind of left my my head. Like the the three seashells. My favorite Rob Schneider's seashells. Let's all say that together. Ready? Three, two, one. The three seashells. She doesn't know about the three seashells. Just the fact that Stallone referred to sex as the hunk of chunka, the weirdest. <laughs> so yeah let's 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 jump off brando's point here one of the things that's eerily relevant like now in a way is like the non-transference of human touch and fluid transfer and like how everything was so sanitary in the future in this movie um, even sex was like virtualized. <laughs> that whole yeah, scene yeah. in the movie is hilarious. He's you like, mean adult fuck? PlayStation VR? Maybe right. Yeah. Is what they're doing. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> no, I thought the non-touch was was hilarious, and my wife's a nurse, so the whole time we were watching it together, we're laughing about that, you know, and and how how relevant it is to her everyday life when she goes into work. Um, so definitely laughing about that. That was just absolutely funny. And then the three seashells. I mean, I had to refresh my memory because I remember reading about the theory behind it and not, not the greatest answer for how I think it was written that it was intended to be used. But I totally there's two, think. Oh, please yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Let's there's talk about two it. Theory, well, there's the the first theory I read, and this is the one that is probably what they meant and it's kind of still not i don't know how this is sanitary but where you take the two shells and use them to get the brunt of the waste out and then the last shell left you kind of scrape whatever's left but then what do you do with the shells yeah not not sanitary man right the other theory that i guess sandra bullock was quoted as saying is she thought she heard the production guys saying that the three seashells were like disguised as buttons for the toilets all being bidets and yeah. then they would just spray your ass right uh, that was the angle or the amount of so, yeah. pressure or whatever uh, i that... do think it foreshadowed that because that's a big like dude everybody's into yeah. bidets now you can buy like if you go to toilet seat right. is the best thing i have <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first brando knows the three seashells now i am only gonna buy one if i can get one with three seashells on it look all, all i'm gonna say is between my bidet toilet seat and the heated seats in my new car my asshole is very happy <laughs> that's what i gotta say hop that's a that's a really funny product like uh for merch if, if somewhere down the line there was an RFC toilet with three seashells on it, like a bidet head, that'd be so great. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, food transfer. Um, the other thing is this was like one of I don't think this was Sandra Bullock's first film, but this movie really I think uh, blew her up, movie. like as far as career wise, because she had a string of movies after this that she was in. Like she had a couple before this movie, but I'm pretty sure this was the movie that really catapulted her uh, you yeah. know, for a while. I think cemented her in the minds of a bunch of 17, 18 year old boys. Right. Because I mean, between this movie and speed, there wasn't yeah. anybody that looked like Sandra Bullock. I mean, truthfully at the time there wasn't a, a Sandra Bullock kind of, I mean, she was definitely had a, had a look. And I think, um, especially in that movie, for whatever reason, by the way, her whole outfit looks like something you would see everywhere today, by the way. Stretch pants, boots, leather jacket. I mean, it's I could fashion go to New Orleans. Yeah. They were, they <laughs> were they Starbucks like eight in the morning. You'll find a, a blonde white woman pretty much wearing that outfit. Yes. Yes. 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we had talked about this earlier that the names of these characters and the whole sort of. Um, base plot is kind of steeped in two stories you have uh aldous huxley's book brave new world and then also hg wells sleeper awakes and both of those are like sort of the loose influence for these characters i mean simon phoenix is named for the character that always comes back you know john spartan uh, you know the guy that always takes him down and then Huxley, Sandra Bullock's character is obviously named after the writer. I thought that was pretty clever how they threw that in there. 
Um, and she's a badass. I mean, they they clearly yeah. write her to be a uh, 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 you know a a badass. And the, I I do have a question. If we're can we if we want to talk about the the Phoenix character, I couldn't help but feel like there were a lot of Joker ish tones to that way that he played it. Like it oh, felt, as in like almost like riffing off of uh, Nicholson's '89 Joker. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, so- that was the only Joker. Or just that even it, what his interpretation of what that character would be yeah, like. Yeah, no, for sense. sure. Yeah, I would. I could totally see that. And there was a like, Joker toy in um, her office. You oh, could really? See it briefly. Yeah, That's it's hilarious. it's it's on. It's across from one of the which I really like the Lethal Weapon three poster. Like, right. She's <laughs> got all this accoutrement yeah. from like. Oh, from the 20th century and it's just it's it's great listen this this is probably too sad that it's true but nothing says 20th century police justice like lethal weapon, lethal weapon <laughs> <laughs> yeah but yeah I agree, I agree with you charlie there was there was a lot of elements that it, it could see yeah I wonder if it was influenced by by a joker joker circa 89 and I mean, just, I found it entertaining. I just thought yeah. I couldn't help but feel that that vibe. Well, and even Spartan, I, I, I even I would even kind of say that even Stallone's character, his one track, like we got to stop him, was almost like Batman esque. Like, whenever the Joker is on the run, Batman is like, we got to stop him, like, because he knows how crazy the Joker is. Nobody believes him, right? And it's sort of like this movie yeah. too, when he's telling these cops, he's, he's going for a gun. You know, this is, I know him. This is what he's yeah. going to do. Well, that yeah. whole thing, the whole motif, uh, sent a maniac to catch one. They, yeah. they touched upon that w- relationship with Batman in, in certain stories. That Batman, in a sense, you could argue that he is a maniac <laughs> dressing up as a, as a bat. <laughs> I would tell you, well, I, think, right. I think hanging out with Phoenix would be a lot more fun, though. You know, like he's always got the cool, funny ass things to say, and Stallone just comes in look like crusty white bread because all he can say is like, you know, it's these one liners. Like, oh, back in my day, Snipe yeah, sets him up for so many things. He's like, think again. Like he says a bunch of stuff, and then Stallone's response is, think again, gunshot. Yeah, don't count on it. Really, who has the best one-liners in the movie is Sandra Bullock with all her butchering oh, of twentieth oh, century that. lingo. Oh, <laughs> so funny! You really licked his ass. Yeah, you really. <laughs> Let's go blow, blow this, this guy. guy. <laughs> yeah, Stallone saying "away" was one of my favorite moments of acting because it actually felt away. Blow this guy away. Away. Like like, it really felt right. It felt spot on. We know you've been scared watching horror movies by yourself. Well, now you don't have to. Hang out with Ruminations of Red Rum. All things horror, from movies to the latest spooky games we've played. Come hang out. But hurry. The killer's behind you. Yeah, and she does. She does a really good job. There's, she just has that goofy, adorable essence about her that just you just can watch her all day. And we, I always forget that every time I see her in a movie, I'm like, damn it, <laughs> she's so really, really good. <laughs> well, she makes the world believable if you really think about it. Yeah. In Speed too, like you buy the premise because you're sort of her. Like her astonishment and you know so on and so forth. It's all you believe that that world is real. She she delivered that sort of innocent doofiness, yeah. kind of like a thirteen year old girl that's just learning these things, right? Like that that is it's she has that youthfulness to her. Like when they're singing the hot dogs. Ad. Oh my god, oh, dude! That that whole thing is hilarious, right? So in the future of Demolition Man, uh commercials or what people like to listen to on the retro <laughs> on the retro station armor hot dogs like armor hot dogs bags. was all music replaced by ads or was that just one weird choice on future serious xm yeah we don't they say it's the most popular so i, I felt like they yeah, i thought of memes 
it made me think of memes. Oh yeah, that's a good point. Mm. Holy shit! Because there are there are people that I talk to or interact with online, and it seems like they can only interact with you in a meme format. And you're like, can I get can I get a real answer? Like, <laughs> it's you know what the fun one of the cool. I don't remember who I heard about this from, but that's one of the things that caught my attention. Someone was saying that that's their interpretation of emojis and memes is that it's hieroglyphics for our time. Oh yeah. hundred percent. I'd agree with that. Holy shit. And so then it's cause it does. If you go and try to read hieroglyphs and you look at like how, if you look at it as emojis, you're like, Oh, that guy's walking over there. He's giving the corn to that guy who's throwing it up in the sky and there's a ship. And then why is, you know, you start seeing it as emojis. So why is the eggplant crying? (laughs) (laughs) Because he didn't have any armor hot dogs. (laughs) The dogs kids like to bite. One of the uh, real stars of this movie, though, real stars is the 1970 Oldsmobile 442. Such a beautiful car. My dad had one, not as pretty as the one in that movie. It was white. But uh, yeah, I loved that car when I was a kid. My dad has a 69 Cutlass convertible. White. Okay, so questions that popped up immediately upon seeing this beautiful vehicle. A, where does one get a great paint job and a car... (laughs) worked on in the in this underground world in the right because yeah that's this it's is why the, you park in the shade and not out in the tucson sun <laughs> <laughs> right and then what's it run on i just want to know mm. what it runs on yeah like it's had a well i mean if, for like 35 years <laughs> if we're gonna stretch over into alternate movie timelines that'll be covered it's probably running on pig 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 shit like in Mad oh right 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 okay Gotcha. It's a stretch. Hey, I but maybe rat shit in this case because of what right, they're eating. Because of the rat burgers, they're and, they're using all of the rat. I just and what, is, I, I mean, is that it's Dennis Leary's car? It's Friendly's car, right? It has to be. Uh, maybe yeah, it's it? never like I don't think it's ever identified. It's just down there. I gotta wonder <laughs> if maybe it was part of the museum thing and they stole it. Like maybe who knows. I just love cars that are so badass, and this is a 90s thing, that can take a full barrage of bullets from a clip straight <laughs> inside of the block oh, and sure. keep on running. <laughs> and bust through gates and glass yep. and everything and just keep rolling. Well, any movie car can do that. Yeah. That's the limo from Logan. Not the limo from the well, it's plot. I mean, they, it's whatever the plot is, exactly. right? So if the car has plot armor. That's not going to matter. Saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> the car in Logan did not have plot armor. That limo. I mean, to be fair, the guy did show up to Taco Bell on like a straight up old school dirt bike. I love how dirt bike is always the answer for sci-fi movies that don't have an answer. Yeah. Like we can't just keep getting four four twos. What are we going to use? I got a dirt bike back there. I think my co- it's my cousin's. He doesn't ride it anymore. We can use it. They got it from the Mad Max lot. Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, That's funny. Great. It did seem like that for sure. And how many times? Just great too. Like the the amount of times um, <laughs> uh, John Spartan needs to run before he gets shot and dive from how many bullets and blades and. I got, a, I got a chicken or the egg question for you about that. Like, is it who did it first? Is I know now it's a Tom Cruise meme, right? Like Tom with Cruise the is always running. Yeah. Did it start with Stallone? That's a good question. Possibly. Yeah, that's uh That's true, because he did Although he looks like he's working to run. Yeah. If you look at him when he's running. He does not look like a natural runner. <laughs> It's it's rough watching him. I was rewatching Expendables and him chasing down that plane. Oh my gosh! In the first one. <laughs> well, he's what seventy something now. Yeah. Did the first Expendables, he was late fifties, early sixties. So supposedly there's an Expendables four coming too. I love oh those movies. God. They're they're so silly. The Expendables yeah. four, starring human growth hormone. 
right? Yeah, yeah, we I wouldn't be surprised to find out that he stopped actually being able to physically speak like 20 years ago, but they found a way to wire in like a really intricate speaking spell and they just kind of type in the script and he just goes to town. Yeah. Be well, be fucked. Be well, yeah, exactly. Be fucked. I did like the part where he doesn't know how to use the seashells and there's the machine that gives you demerits for oh. and he just says a bunch of cuss words to get a bunch yeah. of paper so he can go wipe his ass. <laughs> yeah. I loved it too where they, they were really good. But it's for violation of the verbal morality standard. Yes. <laughs> I haven't seen really... that in 10 years. I still remember that. <laughs> they were so good about using it you could always hear it off camera too sometimes oh yeah no and in the beginning you notice uh, that's so funny you bring it up tony in the beginning of the movie it's right in your face and you yeah. notice it and then i was watching the movie later and i would hear it in the background <laughs> and, was like, and i was like that's hilarious that it was still that that they kept it going in the film yeah. and that they were aware of it enough to like keep keep using not making sure you know like to keep using it <laughs> it's great yeah one of my favorite moments is when they're going through the footage of him in the past and he's carrying that little girl on his shoulder. Oh, yes. Yeah. And she's like, how does it feel to destroy this much uh, millions yeah, of dollars million worth dollar of property building. to save one little girl? And then she goes, fuck you, lady. Good answer. Yeah. That was again another another one of there, this movie was full yeah, I mean, that, of these I mean, gems. Good response from the little girl. That was a jacked up question for the reporter to ask. Yeah, but that, but you know what? It's funny. Like that seems to be the way that they always like talk to like any sort of when any when there's any sort of. Uh, conflict like that and they have to destroy a bunch of property to save something even in real life they always ask that question like oh, you're a loose give me your badge and your gun yeah um well, i like to they acknowledged it because a lot of times in these movies there's all this property destruction and no one's right it's never acknowledged. Day, never acknowledged yeah this movie is it runs that cusp of being semi self-aware it's not yeah. quite like it's not fully self-aware like something like deadpool breaking the fourth wall but it, it has enough a little semi-awareness i think to make you really think about where where is our society going and i feel like that was kind of the theme of this movie like do we want this utopia do we want all of these rules and laws and like do you want to live in a world where you can't cuss and do physical things like mixed martial arts like when they said no contact sports like when he's listening to all the stuff you can't do i was like fuck that i do not want to live there i would yeah. be hanging out with edgar friendly eating rat burgers and covering myself in why jail. would i want to live in a world where i couldn't get a good steak that too right yeah, yeah. Um, so like really to me, like the core theme of the film is like almost like, um, freedom, not freedom. And like, like you should have the choice to live. You should be able to decide your amount of risk level, give or take, right? Like what you, what you want to live with and not, not have a complete totalitarian, uh, thumb on top of you or I mean, it's almost as bad as a dictatorship the way this yeah. utopia was set up well the two extremes like right it's really ironic to thinking about this time you know it's just, it's the same thing is the two extremes is, oh no just like the two extremes just being just not the right right answer but really finding more of a balance between you know both sides Sorry, yeah the what was the what was his title the the guy that the, you know captain white man the old white guy what's his name was he chancellor was he viceroy i mean what was the it wasn't mayor it wasn't no, governor, it was governor was, right uh they just list him as dr raymond cocteau like he was their savior that's what they kept calling him so it seemed um, very religious almost like there was more was the like guru, a, a the weird cult. sex cult right yeah and i i mean i could see that's funny you say that brando i could see there being a backstory of how he comes to power and like out of catastrophe right? and, and, but, but as you see in the movie like he's not without using his power to 
elicit more power and control. Like he yeah. uses his power oh, to yeah. free one of the most dangerous criminals of all time because he doesn't like this other guy who's trying to tell other people, Hey, there's another way to live. Mm-hmm. Come underground with us and yeah, overthrow this, this rat uh, burgers, drive Oldsmobiles. Fun for all ages. <laughs> well, well, it's also just because, you know, Friendly's version of freedom is so counter that neo-Asian-y retro styling he liked in his clothing. And he's a, clearly an obsessive compulsive guy. He wants everything structured and in an order exactly how he wants it. Like a cult. He's a cult leader. Yeah, you know? no, for sure. Yeah. And can we acknowledge the cult, cult leader had the best assistant. Yeah. Orco <laughs> from Beetlejuice. <laughs> old bob and can we just acknowledge this how impressive every time dennis leary has a monologue i mean the guy smokes like it's a chain smoker the lungs on that guy oh, the fact that he doesn't have to take a breath when he says yeah. these things for like a minute straight and, goes off and you're like dude i know how much you smoke <laughs> i mean the thing about him early in those movies when he played this like role that was in that capacity I mean, it felt like he was doing his stand-up. Yeah. Just kind of delivering some version of his stand-up. And look, he's was hilarious. He's a funny guy. I loved his stand-up. And it worked. And it is perfect, right? It was perfect for a guy named Friendly. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it seems like with... Um, it's funny you say that. It seems like with, the, with comedians, they either, they either adapt to working in film or... They're like him. They get put in movies to be kind of themselves in a movie and not really another character, and they don't really make that many movies, and then they kind of disappear. Like, that's pretty much what happened with him, right? That's, the Pauly Shore it. effect, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Their stick only works for so long and for so many things. They're they're put in there because they're, they're token hot at the time, and they're, you know, people are like, oh, put him in a movie that'll sell tape. You know, their fans will come see it. Um, yeah. But back to the, like theme of the story it's about like you know would you rather be in this perfectly controlled utopia where you have no choice almost like a almost like a allegory to like allegory to like some sort of ultimate version of socialism i'm not saying socialism is bad but i'm just saying in the movie like this super controlled you can't do anything um yeah what dumb people think socialism is yeah, yeah so. it, it's, it's communist. It's very communist uh, feeling. Like it didn't seem like anybody had a salary, right? Like, it, they don't mention it directly, but you know everybody's driving the same Gullwing Tesla. And you yeah, know, that was like, funny that the cars looked eerily like Teslas, but Gullwing. Yeah, yeah, and they sound like them. I mean, from the way that yeah, you would they, imagine they they nailed then. the cars like almost perfectly. And the self-driving and the And the fact iPad. that California's banning gasoline vehicles, new sales of gasoline vehicles by 2025, something like that, 2030. It's coming up soon. It's got to be somewhere in the it's got to be somewhere in the 2030s. Yeah, I just I, remember I mean, seeing that. I was like that's crazy. Um, and nobody has nobody has a gun. No cops are carrying guns. So guns are gone. Freedom of speech is practically gone. There's clearly no freedom of religion because this guy's the the end all be all, you know he's he's Kim Jong un white. Right, guy and then version. and then the uh, fluid transfer and you gotta have a license to have sex. It's almost like they're controlling genetic manipulation, well, genetic is engineering. That's your license to procreate. I think it was procreate. Uh, yeah, well, so. But even thing. then, you have to go to a lab and pretty much have IVF done. That's right, yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Can we, can we talk about that one guy who's upset that you wouldn't go out with him and he's the guy that you have to fill out the application to? You're like, I want to get pregnant. And he's like, no, no, not today. Come back tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, what, so after this, have you guys seen this movies influence on any other um movies shows games have you seen any of its influence stretch out to other things uh one of the things i saw in this crack mip right away when uh when cyberpunk first came out when you go into v's restroom there's three seashells <laughs> next to the toilet and i was like get the fuck out of here that's hysterical that's great 
I can't remember I anything on top of my head, but obviously I'm sure like a lot of the subsequent movies, whether they ever dealt like was Johnny Mnemonic before or after? Uh, it was right around the same oh, time man. period. I think what it was a, after. I want to say it was after. Yeah, you're probably right. But even wouldn't wouldn't this be true about? I don't remember it well, so I can't. (laughs) (laughs) Would this be somewhat similar to? I would see some influence in Minority Report, maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just a little bit of that 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 uh, pure figure at the top mess, you know, being corrupt and. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't doubt that probably echoes of the original story of Minority Report, the Philip K. Dick book, was probably somewhat a basis for Demolition Man, a little bit. Oh, oh, Uh, I see, I see, yeah, I got you. uh, Johnny Mnemonic was after Demolition Man. Johnny Mnemonic was 95, whereas Demolition Man was 93. There is one area where I do think that Demolition Man has had an effect on society that I really like. Yes. Hey Alexa, turn the lamp on. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Well, and that's that's it's funny. Cause it seems like that's one of those things that people have long been fascinated with in sci-fi and culture, like um, having electronics that are small that you can do things like Star Trek. Before that, Dick Tracy. Like now, we have the Apple Watch. It reminds me of the old Dick Tracy, where he had his little wristwatch mm-hmm. radio. Which at the time when they made those original. New strips of Dick Tracy. That was a big deal because radios were never that small. You can do that with <laughs> Apple Watch because there's a built-in walkie-talkie app, right? Yeah. Well, and and I still think of uh, the, there's a scene in the last Starfighter where the alien pilot goes to show the photographs of his family and basically pulls out an iPhone and all the pictures flash over the screen one by one. <laughs> And he's got this, and this is 1984. And so all I could think about was the same thing with him doing the video, the Zoom call. This, this movie's got a couple of examples of Zoom calls. And, uh, you know, they're talking on basically an iPad, and their iPhone has a handle on it. Basically, it looks like they took a bunch of side view mirrors from cars and made it into a prop. That's crazy. But it does feel, that felt predictive to me you know the the, all those little things that they had you're right on i mean it it was right on yeah they predicted a lot of future tech pretty accurate the cars especially that was like wow gps pretty good gps yeah the the computer graphics were a little primitive at the time looking at some of that stuff um it's about the same vein as total recalls computer graphics i think we were still kind of in that level of tech Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love Total Recall. And <laughs> and uh, all that whole generation of of fun sci-fi, right? right yeah. There was still a lot of uh, practical, lots of practical effects. And I think that's why some of these films from this period still hold up a little bit. It's that period, you know, the late 90s, early 2000s sci-fi films where they went a little overboard on CG that kind of don't hold up that well. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Pop, I think um, Mitch had a listener question for us. What? Ooh. Yeah. What, what restaurant would you have to be every restaurant? Let's let all of us. Good uh, question. <laughs> so it has to be something that was around in 1993, though. Ooh. We're in the, we're, well, I guess something through the 80s or 90s. Damn. Because you can't just say something now. You got to say something that that was then and that would have feasibly won the franchise franchise wars. wars. The franchise wars. Wait, wait. What time did, what year did the movie take place? 2032. It starts in 96, but the future is 2032. We don't know when the franchise wars happened. Oh, so he's he's got a point, Charlie. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. I say, I say any franchise that you're aware of. So obviously we can't do a mom and pop place because they're not a franchise. It would be um, ironic if it was Chick-fil-A. <laughs> no, that's not. <laughs> but I'll let you say that. <laughs> Damn, that's tough, man. 
Although and, I, I gotta say, the governor does look like the kind of guy that would exclusively eat a Chick Fil A. <laughs> <laughs> what would you? What would you guys pick? What would be your pick? Um, Ooh, franchise restaurant that would take over the franchise wars. I'm gonna wait for Brando's answer. I want to react to Brando's answer. Panda Express. Ooh, wow. <laughs> I might say in and out actually. Although I don't know if I, I was going to say in and out. Oh, I'm really? going to go with you Tony. I'm going to go with you 100%. <laughs> God, in and out is really hard to go against on yeah. anything, isn't it? What's well, just Man. good? You know what? Just because I think in and out sort of like this too. Like I think feasibly it could be any kind of food, right? Like pan like I think In-N-Out works. You, it could be a fancy restaurant. It could be a burger joint. Uh, I'm gonna go with Jack in the Box. Mm, I was that was my initial pick. Yeah, I'm going to invite you guys to join me at Jack in the Box. <laughs> Please dress accordingly. Okay, so just while we were on here, I looked up something about franchise opportunities taco bell's in the top four hot franchises what? to buy into right now <laughs> <What>? <laughs> maybe they will win the franchise wars oh can i can i tell you something new orleans is one of those places that really doesn't want franchises coming in they really stand by their mom and pop eateries and there's a ton of little restaurants but there's a few that you understand get through the obvious mcdonald's right but there's no Whataburger. There's very few of these other franchises. There's no Jack in the Box. and But they do have Taco Bell. And 100% it's wow. because of two things. There's a lot of Taco Bells here because at 2 in the morning, and there's a lot of people out in New Orleans at 2 in the morning that all are suffering from the same inhibition. And when you are <laughs> speaking with that inhibition, you want Taco Bell. <laughs> and that's, that's the brilliance of their, of their thing. They're, they're, you know, Dorito Loco Taco seems to go perfectly hand in hand with a night full of bourbon and music. On that that list, Pop, sounds like a really bad Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is. Uh, Baskin Robbins is what? Baskin Robbins is number one in this uh, this franchise I've never heard of called Auntie Anne's. It's like a, it's pretzel. a pretzel. Yeah, yeah, pretzel. Papa John's is number three. I would suspect Taco so Bell's after their fall four. from grace, right? Yeah. yeah. Man. Well, there you go. We it's and based on initial investment right. fee and like lifetime investment uh per capita and return on capita. But I saw it was interesting that I saw this list and I was like, Oh look, Taco Bell's number four. This is how they win the franchise for Yeah, so yet yet ignore evidence <laughs> that by twenty thirty two everything will be Taco Bell. Yeah. Way to go, demolition yeah. man. <laughs> yeah, that's another one they got on it right, man. Yeah. All right, so to wrap it up, Demolition Man, fun movie, still a lot of relevant stuff going on, crazy prediction of the future, great action sequences. Um, I wasn't super impressed with the cinematography, but it's passable. It works. Um, that that was hard because I had just watched Tenant, so that's probably more of a, mm. like, when you see a movie when you yeah. see a movie that's shot that good, and then you go back and watch Demolition, and you're like, oh. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's great. <laughs> I did think I, I to your point, man, I made a comment to my wife while we were watching it because there was there was a real rough edit at one point near the end where it's like it just I, like blunt jump cut almost to yeah a completely different there's scene. a couple of those. Yeah. Right. And I remember looking at her and going, you know, this this gives you some respect for why netflix's movies and amazon movies is so successful you can't make the, this movie was in theaters and making money and we're movies on netflix now are of a higher standard than you know so then movies like tenet are light years light years ahead of it yeah all right man anybody got any other last words on demolition man before we wrap this up did sound like uh, Stallone let it slip that Demolition Man two is in the works. Yeah, I did see that. He said that there there's 
talks of a Demolition Man sequel. Um, can lightning strike twice? Yeah, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see what angle they play on that. Like, will he be the old police chief guy? Will there be like, I don't know. That's that's interesting. I don't. I mean, dude, I love Stallone, but the elephant in the room is is the guy is seventy plus years old and he's being held together by duct tape and human growth hormone, and he's an amazing uh, creator. And I'm looking forward to his projects, like his his re-edit of of uh, Rocky Four. And, you know, stuff like that. But I, I don't know if I want to see a 75-year-old Stallone replaying Demolition Man. You know what I mean? I have one condition that he could pull it off for me, though, is if he pulls a Logan. If if oh. Phoenix if Phoenix kills him early in the movie and there's a son or some other character. Oh, yeah, that would be dope. No, no, that's I'll what I mean. That's, that. Yeah, that kind of angle would totally work for me, too, Charlie. Yeah, I'd buy that. You've got to die. you yeah. got to die. <laughs> right. I would buy that 100%. Or I'd buy that that he's the wise old cop that knows that they need to do something, you know, different. Yeah. I just can't see him doing, like, I can't even see him pulling off the Barney role from Expendables 1 anymore at this point yeah. because no man we're kind of no. past that it's been i mean the last expendables three is five six years old now mm-hmm. already really? they're gonna wheel him around like he's a wax figure <laughs> if he's in this not, he won't even be running it'll just be a camera up close on him <laughs> it's not gonna be good yeah. <laughs> yeah he's 74 man wow he's one big muscle now <laughs> <laughs> he's just one bicep just one bicep and a nose but i enjoyed watching this movie thanks for uh... oh yeah it's it was i had a blast watching it and i loved the like i said the almost kind of self-awareness and the almost yeah. cheekiness of it like half in your face half trying to be like a serious sci-fi movie i, I think that if they had gone all fourth wall it probably wouldn't have done well i think it would have become more of a cult classic i think if it would have gone completely fourth wall it would be this really big cult classic i agree with that like hairspray or something it would be like that level yeah i think the fact that they did a half and half let it be kind of a blockbuster stallone movie and then now as it's aging people are seeing it as this oh this was this really cheeky like dissertation on what could happen in a utopian future gone wrong you know Totally, uh, I I I completely think the same way. I, can I? Uh, I'm sorry, I, I cut you off. Go ahead. No man, go ahead. I'm good. Let's hear okay. it. All right. So the two things I wanted to say is uh, that first scene when that building goes boom and collapses, the thought that crossed my mind was, man, everybody wanted to exploit that Takagi Tower explosion from Die Hard and do oh. it over and over because yeah. it was the exact it's like how can we make it bigger oh let's do a shorter building that's meaning to be demolished and then we'll just get it on film and it'll because it looked exactly like that nakatomi tower you know same explosion same everything and uh and i'll see it a thousand times and love it every time so that was that was one thing that crossed my mind the other thing is an experience uh again like you tony and i was telling you hop the my wife and i watched this movie and Brando can attest that this is not the kind of genre that that is typically even on my wife's radar. So for her to be interested to watch it at all was fun, was super fun to watch. I, everybody should watch it. But the moment that made me laugh hardest is random and funny, and it kind of speaks to how even unintentionally they were predicting things. So my wife watches a lot of murder porn shows, Forensic Files. How, you know, Dr. G medical examiner, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Then, you know, examinations of real crime and whatnot. And we're sitting here watching Demolition Man and that random list of other convicts that were in the prison and at the same time as Phoenix, Scott Peterson comes printing across the screen and my wife just starts cracking up <laughs> because it's like literally Scott Peterson murdered his wife in 2005 and it was a huge news story and it went totally global and she's like cracking up and i didn't pick up on it and it was this like easter egg unintended easter egg where we end up on google reading about scott peterson and when it happened and it's right there in bold print scott peterson and so it was so funny to us 
that 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 worked out the way that it did that she caught it it just made the whole thing that much more enjoyable wow that's crazy <laughs> brando you got any last words on demolition man no i'm i'm i'm, I'm pretty good good <laughs> <laughs> all right guys well thanks for all of your input i really enjoyed having you guys on the retro futurist podcast i'd love to have you guys on again uh like i said i think tony and i got a episode we're gonna do i know charlie and i brando's and i have talked about another one so i'll definitely have you guys maybe we can all get all on again because this has been a lot of fun um, thanks fun. for joining the retro futurist podcast thank you to ruminations radio network any last words gentlemen you're even better live than on laser disc <laughs> and with that we are out because that was the technology in 1993 was laser disc right we didn't even have dvd yet nope. be well be well. Be well. Be well. <laughs>